Welcome to a new spin on autism. Answers with host and international speaker and performer, Lynette Louise. Besides working on her doctorate in psychophysiology, Lynette has raised eight children, six adopted, and four of them falling somewhere on the autism spectrum. Laugh with her, cry with her, as she talks to both experts and parents and takes you through the often confusing, sometimes frustrating, sometimes overwhelming, but always fascinating world of autism. Hello! Welcome. This is a new spin on Autism Answers. I am Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as the Brain Broad. And you probably all can say that with me by now. It's always rolling out the tongue in the same sort of rhythm. Okay, today is a beautiful California day. I have been babysitting my granddaughters. It's been truly awesome. I have five-year-old granddaughter twins. And yesterday we were outside and plan. I've spent the whole last four days going, oh my gosh, she said that, oh my gosh, she said that, oh my gosh, she said that, because language is a a challenged thing in all the patients I work with. I forget how easy it trips off the tongue when, when everything's working as it should. So here we are, we're outside and we're playing with the bicycles and stuff and, and, you know, they're four days from seeing their parents and one of the little five-year-olds looks at me and goes, you, did you know, Drama, because they call me Drama because they think I'm dramatic, go figure. Did you know, Drama, that even when my parents aren't in the same room with me, the house is different, I can feel them when they're home? And I'm like, what? You're five years old. Where do you get all these concepts? And it's been constant, like that concept after concept, like high-level thinking. And then I thought about, you know, the language deficit in the kids I work with and the problem orchestrating their mouths and how just getting a sound out takes all their focus and wondered if they didn't have to focus so hard on producing words, would they then have this high-level thinking? And is that where that dissonance is between what we see a person able to do and what they're actually able to do in their brain. So I have a great guest for us that's really, um, I think, perfect for that question. We'll find out. Um, And the reason, as you know, I always have a backstory to my guests. So one of my clients, I I love mouth-to-referral by mouth, you know, oh, she's great, oh, she's great, oh, she's great. Well, we got an oh, she's great client here saying about, oh, she's great about a therapist. And so I went and said, will you be on my show? So Joy Muller is um, coming to us from a referral from a client of mine. So if you kept track of that, here's how it goes. I have someone I've known for a long time. I've helped a lot. She's had issues with sucking in her mouth. And we've done neurofeedback and we've done behavioral things. And and she kept having this issue where she kept sucking her tongue in the top of her mouth. And, you know, I could get it to relax and then it would come back. And now she goes to see Joy and immediately it's improved. Immediately it's dealt with. And I'm like, okay, if she can do that for you after we've struggled so hard to get it, clearly she's going to be helped able to help people with autism who have all those strange mouth things. Turns out it's better than that. She does help people with autism. So let's get her backstory. Let's find out about her a little bit. Um, she, I asked her to give me a two-sentence 
sort of statement that helps us to know kind of where she's coming from. And she said, I feel the best treatment of myofunctional disorders are working with an interdisciplinary team. And I'll get her to tell you what a myofunctional disorder is. She says, we all know that toxins and epigenetics may play a role in autism, but the team approach may be the best treatment to restore a higher level of health. Now, who is she? Her name's Joy Muller, as I told you already. Um, She's worked in private practice as a myofunctional therapist since 1980. So that means this lady has reams and reams of information for you. And I really don't think reading off her bio is going to help you if you don't know what a myofunctional therapist does or is. So why don't we go to Joy and find out. So hello, Joy, and thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, Like you said, um, I'm a myofunctional therapist, and what I do is I deal with chewing, swallowing, and breathing, and different habits that people have with their oral facial muscles. I do a series of exercises to get the tongue functioning better, get the lips closed. I work on breathing through the nose, and I I go into actual treatment um, of myofunctional disorders. And there's now current studies showing that it helps with orthodontic relapse, temporal mandibular joint problem, or TMJ, problems, and obstructive sleep apnea, which is huge, because if a person isn't sleeping well, they have learning disabilities and behavioral problems. There was recently a new study out of Albert Einstein showing that with 11,000 children they looked at between the age of three to five, if they didn't correct the breathing between that age, by the time they were seven or eight, they had over 50% more learning disabilities and behavior problems. And so, oh, and yeah, and it was this, mm-hmm. yeah, I was just going to add that with obstructive uh, sleep apnea, you also can end up with a really lowered immune function, and that's commonly an issue in autism. So, I mean, there's a lot, and there's lots of sleep difficulties in autism, and I've seen lots of kids just wake up as if they're having um, obstructive sleep apnea. So it's mm-hmm. it's a big deal. Well, yeah, because when you have sleep apnea, you have a lot more what they call intracranial hypertension, and that can cause pressure on the brain. And that's caused by obstructive sleep apnea. And and the current uh, meta-analysis study that showed that uh, in adults with sleep apnea, there was a reduction of 50% of the AHI numbers, that's the times you stop breathing at night, and in children, it was 62%. So that's huge. And also the oxygen saturation improved with myofunctional therapy. The therapy we do, it, it, there's an intensive part that lasts for 8 to 10 weeks. And then there's uh, every other week we see people more of a subliminal or cellular memory enhancement over a period of a year. We do every other week and then every three weeks and then once a month for the rest of the year. And there's three parts to the therapy. The first part, we eliminate habits 
right away because if your tongue is in the wrong place, you're missing endorphins. And so the body wants to feel good, and so you bite your cheeks or pull your lips or suck your tongue or your thumb or bite your nails or lean on your face or do all kinds of things looking for that remembered endorphin rush as an infant that you you didn't get enough of, especially if you were bottle-fed and um, use pacifiers and sippy cups and all the other things that we do to put the tongue down. And a lot of times, too, it's um, a tongue tie where the little string underneath the tongue is too tight. And that that has proven that the tongue, if it can't lift to the roof of the mouth, it, the function of swallowing is off. So you swallow air, and air interferes with your digestion. If the tongue is resting down and forward, it pulls the head forward, so you have a forward head posture, and you always have neck and back problems or shoulder problems. Uh, also, if you um, if your tongue is in the wrong place, then the teeth can't come in straight. So my background is I was a dental hygienist. I still am a dental hygienist. But I don't do that anymore. My son had this problem, and that's how I got into it. I saw that he had a lot of problems with uh, colic, and then it went to ADHD. And this was back in the 1970s. If if it was in today's world, I'm sure he would have been diagnosed in the spectrum. That he had terrible headaches. He called them his his skull crushers. And I tried everything. I took him to nutritionists and psychologists and neurologists and ophthalmologists. We did vision therapy. We put him on every crazy diet imaginable. And finally, his headaches got so bad they wanted to do surgery on his brain. They said that it was exploratory surgery. And he was just a little kid. And I said, well, um, is there anything else I can do? And I had taken him everywhere, like all the big clinics and Michael Reese Hospital in Chicago and uh, Mayo, everywhere. And uh, finally, I was working for a dentist who did more of the holistic kind of dentistry, and this was in the 1970s. And he said, you know, I just took a course in myofunctional therapy. He's not swallowing right. I'm going to have you do some exercises. I want you to see an osteopathic physician who's been trained in cranial osteopathy. And I'm going to put a little bite splint in. And within three weeks, his headaches were gone. He could focus. He started eating for the first time because before that, he had a lot of texture sensitivity issues. And he... He normalized. It was, like, amazing. I watched this happen right before my eyes. So I went back to school, studied everything in the field I could, and now I teach courses mainly to physicians, dentists, physical therapists, speech pathologists, dental hygienists, occupational therapists. And the field is growing because of the new research coming out of Stanford and um NYU and Northwestern, so there's a lot of new research coming out showing that it helps so many things. Um, And the idea that the combination of 
the sleep disorder breathing causing the tendency for intracranial pressure to increase, uh, there is a connection between myofunctional disorders and autism. It's more of what we call comorbidity. Um, I can't legally say I fix autism, but I have seen in my practice that a lot of kids that come in working in a team with an osteopathic physician and a dentist that could do growth guidance where you enhance the airway rather than retractive orthodontics uh, where they actually help to facilitate the mouth to grow forward. And doing myofunctional therapy, I've seen kids that have come in with two behavioral therapists and the father and, you know, no eye contact at all. And and then, you know, after a year of treatment, working in a team, they smile and they eat and they respond and it's a completely different child. I've seen it over and over again. So I work in a team with a team approach, and the results I've gotten are amazing. It's just incredible. It's just another way of looking at this whole um, autism spectrum. And right. So of course I have a million questions, but the first one that comes to mind because I'm thinking like a mom here listening, and I watched my client cooperatively and like a good student doing all the exercises that you gave her. So um, to give people a sense of of what at least I've observed is that you know a part a large part of this is at home practice and mouth exercises. Absolutely. Right. If the parent, the parent has to be the therapist at home. But most of the kids with autism that I've worked with, you know, I kind of do like a, a kind of a net reverse psychology, and I say, oh, you can't do this, and then they want to do it, and so I kind of can coach them into doing it, and, um, you know, they they do some, and the parents know how to motivate them because they've done, most of my my parents have done speech therapy and occupational therapy and, you know, all the physical therapy, all the other therapies to to help their child. You know, this is something completely different. There aren't too many of us practicing there's probably about 500 in the United States right now and I te- I've taught most of them um, that do it and there's a, a website you can go to called myoacademy.com and then find a therapist near you and you'll see that some of the people I've trained there but you know a lot so basically of times, you use you're using mommy power, right? So you yeah, work, mommy again, power you're working like a team, right? For children, but also I found that a lot of the the mothers or fathers of a child with autism have sleep disorder or sleep uh, disorder breathing. Mouth breathing alone can cause so many problems with the brain. Um, mouth breathing is something that occurs if the child cried a lot as an infant and they learned to breathe through their mouth, or if they were sick and congested at one point and their brain told their body, your mouth is your nose now, so use it. The mouth is an emergency vessel for breathing. 
So the child learns at an early age to mouth breathe. And when they mouth breathe, the mandible drops, the lower jaw drops down and back. If, if everybody can just take your index finger and push against your chin, you'll see that that makes the, the passageway, the air passageway, even smaller. So you think you have to breathe through your mouth to survive. And if you have to breathe through your mouth to survive, do you think you're going to chew very well? Do you then treat the whole family as in give exercise to the parents Sometimes. Sometimes we have families come in. But again, I'll ask the same question again. If you're mouth breathing and your brain thinks your mouth is your nose, are you going to chew your food 20 times and swallow correctly? No, of course not. No, of course not. So if you don't chew your food well, are you going to digest it? properly because digestion of your food starts in your mouth. And so if you're not chewing your food correctly, your digestion will be off. The food gets to your stomach and there are different enzymes in your stomach that try to break it down, but the food will stay there for a long time. So the child doesn't experience hunger or they feel bloated because they swallow air and the whole digestive system is thrown off. So a lot of parents, I know I did with my son when he was going through this, and we had his tonsils out, his adenoids out. We did everything. I did everything. I was a good mommy, took him to all the specialists, and he had texture-sensitive issues. He, he would drink smoothies. I would make him smoothies and put protein in it just to keep him alive, but he wouldn't drink very much. He was never that hungry. And, you know, it was really hard to feed Brian because he was so sensitive. The texture had to be just right before he would eat it. Even ice cream, I remember, he would mash it up. <laughs> Because he, he he didn't want to he didn't want to chew anything because his brain was telling him your mouth is your nose so hurry up wow, and swallow really... because you're going to suffocate and that's so common that's so common with the Spectre kids that's just really interesting you are listening to a new spin on autism answers I'm Lynette Louise your story teacher host otherwise known as the Brain Broad and we are talking with a very brainy very knowledgeable lady. Joy Muller um, is a neuro, let me see, a myofunctional therapist, and she's done that since the 1980s, and she's really um, got a background in doing it hands-on with her son or seeing her son benefit and then moving into the field. So we are very blessed to have her. She's sharing with us. Don't forget to stay to the end of the show where we will have stories from the road. And the great guest giveaway, I'm not going to do it, but I think guest does have a very cool consultation package that I'm going to ask her about, and if not, I'll edit that out. (laughs) Okay. Um, Let's go back to her. She mentioned that uh, some of these issues can cause uh, obstructive sleep apnea, and I know that the the go-to therapy for that is a CPAP, which is a thing that you stick on your face, and it looks like you're wearing an oxygen mask. It's actually pressure, air pressure going through, but the point is that it doesn't look all that comfy to wear to sleep. I haven't tried it myself. I'm about to actually, not because I have the problem, but because I like to try things that people do. Um, 
And what I love about what she's saying is she actually teaches you how to retrain things. And I'm going to come out of this with a question to Joy. So do you have trouble, Joy, getting acceptance for the amount of effort required to make the difference when they could just put a CPAP on? Do you have trouble getting acceptance from doctors? Or is it just everyone knows this is a good way to go? It's definitely, definitely changing. Um, uh, They had the World Sleep Congress in Korea where researchers, 2,000 researchers from all over the world, were there about a month ago, and there were 17 lectures on myofunctional therapy. So it's becoming standard of care now. Once the research uh, is out there and available, the doctors have got to look at this. And I speak all over the world. Last year I went to Australia, to uh, Rome, and to Brazil to speak at different congresses um, and you know, one was a cranial facial pain, and the other one was pediatric sleep uh, congress. And the tables are definitely turning. Uh, Dr. Christian Gimeno, who's he's a guy who coined the term obstructive sleep apnea, who's in charge of sleep medicine at Stanford, is now really he's come out with probably about 20 studies recently on myofunctional therapy. And even if you take the tonsils and adenoids out, you know, the, the incidence of sleep disorders comes back in 10 years, within 10 years or sooner, because you haven't changed the behavior. If you don't right. change the behavior right. to nose breathing and having your tongue up and your lips closed, everything just relapses, just like orthodontic. Uh, treatment right. relapses if you haven't changed the reason why the teeth got crooked to begin with. And as right. far as oral facial right. pain or temporomandibular joint problems, if you're not chewing, those muscles are not working. You have 57 groups of muscles in your head and neck, and if the brain sends new neural pathways to these muscles, oh, don't function, don't chew. You know, and so those muscles are not worked. Imagine if you never worked out, if you never went to the gym or went for walks, what your muscles would look like. They atrophy and they don't work right. So what we do is repattern all those muscles. And we, we encourage proper breathing, chewing, and swallowing. Um, that, and, and that I mean, helps it's with just... the, the pain, the oral facial pain. And there's research studies on that, especially uh, coming out of Brazil, because they've championed myofunctional therapy down there. There's over 30 universities with Ph.D. programs in myofunctional therapy, and they have specialists that that's what they do is work with oral facial pain. So it's it's okay, very so exciting. I have, I have an autism. I haven't, yeah, it's very exciting. It's all very exciting. I love anything that says let's make a healing instead of making a cope with. So I, I love this. I have a question, though. So I, what do you do when somebody's very lower functioning or slow functioning, as I like well, to call it? Well, that's hard. That's hard. In a case like that, I would definitely work with an osteopath that works in the cranial field. Um, you can find somebody that does that if you go to cranialacademy.org and you're going to look for somebody that's 100% working with their hands only. 
the DOs are fully licensed physicians, so it's different from cranial sacral therapy. They're fully licensed physicians. And then there's a certain group that do traditional osteopathy, where they work 100% with their hands, and they move the little bones around in the skull to kind of reduce the anxiety and get the function of the body restored. I know in Santa Monica, there's two great groups that uh, really specialize in autistic kids. So it's working in a team like that where the child can sit and pay a little bit of attention to do the exercises. It's it's great. And it depends on the parent. It depends on, you know, how bad um, on the spectrum they are. But the right. potential of the human body is unlimited, and we we shouldn't let people put limitations on things. That's my feeling. Well, and right, and if you know what what is important to realize is if you can reverse something through exercise and focusing, going, operating differently, changing habits, all of that. Clearly, you can reinforce a problem by operating the same and accepting the limitation and creating the habit, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes we need other people to be part of our team, like an ear, nose, and throat specialist if there are large tonsils or adenoids that have already developed from mouth breathing. And sometimes we need allergists to help with the allergies that have developed and sometimes we need a maxillofacial surgeons that can release the lip and tongue ties and buckle ties, the tissues that restrict normal function. Um, and you know, it's it's it could be a methylation problem. It could be toxins in the environment. There are so many issues that I I know in my Beverly Hills office. I work with an environmental medicine specialist who does lots of work with autistic kids and and has just really helped in so many ways. So it's what I said, the potential is unlimited. Uh, it's very human. exciting. Okay. So we're we're so close to end of time here, and I want to – three things, and I'm just going to let you talk. So um, number one, a you've told us the back story, but do you have a client story you want to share uh, quickly? And then how do you work and how do people get in touch with you? Okay, well, um, I have uh, – my, my son was my, my story, but I have a lot of other stories I could share. Um, the – father and mother who got a divorce because of the autistic little girl and the mother kept taking her from place to place to place to get help and the father just felt rejected and he got divorced and I guess that's pretty common in families with autism a lot of times but anyway the father did not want to pay for the treatment for me and um, the mother said that she would pay for half and he was supposed to pay for half. And the father told me he wasn't going to pay. And so I treated the little girl anyway. She was about 10 or 11 years old. And and uh, we worked in a team. Again, I, I worked with a dentist who gave her a little bit more room for her tongue. And 
in expansion and then uh, an osteopath. And uh, at the midpoint of therapy, the father came in with a check and he said, thank you for making my daughter love me because she had never, you know, had any eye contact or smile or anything. So he That's did pay it. And, story. you know, I hear stories. I've seen stories like that a lot. And um, I work in Los Angeles. I have two offices, one in Pacific Palisades, where I'm at right now, and the other one in Beverly Hills. And um, uh, the best way to contact me would be to call my office, 310-454-9444, and schedule an appointment for a consultation. And I have a team of people here. I have Julia, who's another myofunctional therapist that works with me. And also I have a music teacher who teaches didgeridoo lessons. Oh, neat. Kids, which also <laughs> helps their airway. Okay? Oh, very cool. And how? Uh, what's the cost on your consultation? Um, well, I would have to talk to them and find out, you know, I I don't want to be flooded with too many, but I do make it affordable, the first visit, so. Okay, 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 and that's and if why you want more information, like... if, you, if you Google me, Joy Moeller, you'll see an interview from Dr. Mercola, okay? Okay, all right, was, and in fact, I'll link that patient. up. Yeah, just go to Mercola.com, M-E-R-C-O-L-A. Or if you just Google Joy Muller, you'll find it. There's a lot of information about me. I've written a lot of articles. I have a book called Tucker the Tongue Finds the Spot and a bunch of other things that I've written. So, Oh, that's marvelous. Okay, okay so Tucker the Tongue Finds a Spot. I'm going to order that, and <laughs> then I'm going to offer it as a giveaway. So, okay, 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 you have the great guest giveaway. Tucker the Tongue Finds a Spot. First person to send me an email, mom, M-O-M, number four, evermore, at Juno, J-U-N-O dot com, and say Tucker in the subject line. First person gets that book, and I'll buy. All right, um, Joy, is there any last moments, last things you want to say, something you want to share and also can they go to yes. www. Uh, don't give up don't give up i've got to go i've got a patient now <laughs> okay. okay okay off you thank go thank you bye all right don't give up people <laughs> thank you joy um and she's prompt she goes when her patient shows up that's good news for you if you're in her office and she's on the on a radio interview she's not one of those people that goes oh well they'll just have to wait i'm being interviewed so that's exciting um her website is www.myofunctionaltherapy.com and there's a hyphen between myofunctional and therapy and myo Functional is spelled M-Y-O-F-U-N-C-T-I-O-N-A-L hyphen therapy.com. So it's myofunctionaltherapy.com, Joy Muller, and she is so full of information. Now, if you do have a super low-functioning person, I don't think that means that you shouldn't try um, because there's a lot of things that 
just ready somebody for being cooperative. And one of them might be having a little tongue-tied situation uh, snipped or getting a referral over to an osteopath. Or um, Let's talk about breathing, actually, because there was a lot of focus from Joy on breathing, and there's some things to know about breathing. Uh, first of all, um, I wasn't kidding. The sleep dis- dysfunction thing drops your immune system. If your breathing is off, your oxygen levels change. If your oxygen levels change and you get a breathing style of using the chest only and breathing sort of short to shallow breaths, you end up with sort of a constant hyperventilation situation, which creates an anxiety disorder. If you have an anxiety, does this start to sound like an autism spectrum disorder to you? It does to me. So here you have somebody who can't chew properly, can't swallow properly, can't breathe properly, gets meltdowns and anxiety. And now I think we're looking at an interdisciplinary team that just might be hitting all the different aspects of what's going on. Personally, um, I would add neurofeedback, but you know that. I love neurofeedback. Uh, I would actually make it my first thing just because then you can sort of change those feedback loops uh, easier. But as I told you at the outset, I had a client who was just a very cooperative client, very not, not an autistic client at all, someone who's you know, a high-level person who couldn't stop sucking their tongue. And um, I couldn't stop it with neurofeedback alone, so it required... Joy's touch. So there are things that we just need other people to help us accomplish. And I love the team approach, and I love when the parents are a part of the team and when the whole family gets involved because really what, you know, what's pretty obvious at this point in our evolution of our understanding of autism is there's a genetic component. And what your kid has, you probably have at least a brush of. So if they're having sleep apnea, you may be too. And everybody gets to benefit. Um, In addition, your kids see you doing the therapy as well, doing the exercise, being committed to it, and you change together. As you change together, the child does no longer get the message that they're the broken one in the house that everybody cycles around. And that is huge. In fact, that causes as much of the problem as the problem itself does. So when you think about it, if you're constantly talking about how do I fix my child, what is wrong with them, and looking for all the things that are broken that have to be fixed and talking about it, and then taking them from therapy to therapy to therapy, you're basically reinforcing child, you are a problem inside yourself, inside the siblings, inside the network that you live within in your community, in your neighborhood, and inside the child you're trying to help. So you're kind of working against yourself and your child. What you want to do is kind of an opposite thing. You want to embrace all the positive things, all the things that are working, and then tweak the things that aren't, exercise the things that aren't, go after those as well. Be proactive, but start from the places that are strong so that you're always talking about what's right and what's good and you're all doing things together so there's not just one broken person like the center of the carousel that we're all circling around pointing at um i can't tell you how important that is so all right everybody we did the great guest giveaway after all i'm ready to give it away so make sure you send me that email and let's get to stories from the Okay, 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 okay. Let's tell you about somebody. Who am I going to let me think? My mind is going through all my various clients. Yes. 
Okay, I have a little boy that always, always, always gets up in the night. And so since we were talking about sleep problems and sleep apnea and possible issues like that, I want to hit on this because I don't want you to think that just because your autistic or spectrum child is getting up in the middle of the night, it necessarily means they're having breathing issues. They may be, absolutely, and that should be examined. But they also may be just looking for some free time from everybody pointing at them and seeing them as broken. So since we're talking about interdisciplinary and I just jumped off of the idea of them being in the center of the carousel and we're all circling around them pointing at them as broken, imagine that for a second. And here you are, you're this kid that's just trying to have moments in your life where you feel good about yourself and nobody's judging you. I got to tell you, when it comes to autism, if it's anything, it's a I don't like to be judged disorder. And yet, it's the most judged group of people that I know because everybody's therapying them to death. So I do want them to have therapy. They do want you to help them, but not with that attitude. So here's this boy. He's now turning 15, been my client for a long time, and they've always said sleep problems, sleep problems, sleep problems. And the whole time I've said, well, he's, you know, he's got no free time in his day. That's it. It's the middle of the night. So he gets up so that he can play or be without everybody looking at him and controlling him. So everything's been examined, sleep apnea, the, you know, the melatonin, the this, the that, everything. I mean, it's just gone on and on and on. And finally, since he wasn't generalizing his skills with language, though he had many, the family asked me to um, to change the program. And finally, I was given control, which I've been waiting for. <laughs> so we changed it. And we created lots of space for the child to be the boss, the controller, the lead, the expert, the one deciding how his day went while we said, but we have to work these things in. So he would pick, and he, you know, like it was just very different. It was a very different world. And there was a time in his day where he was just himself, and nobody was judging him, no one, in fact, the whole day was changed to be never judging. Everyone does everything. We're all playing together. We're all doing together. And we're not just sitting there doing data on him, saying what's wrong with him. And immediately, he stopped needing to get up in the middle of the night in order to have control. And I can tell you this works every time because I have a son who's a lower-functioning guy, and whenever I slip backwards and try to push him too fast... And get controlling. He gets up in the middle of the night to sneak food. But if I'm not like that, he never does. It's not a sleep disorder. It's a parent-instilled disorder when we do that. So be careful. Be a team. Don't stick them in the center of the carousel and point at at them as you turn around saying, what can we fix next? Move together. Change together. And if you don't know how to do that, I suggest you go to the Autism Channel and watch my show, Fix It in Five, because that's what I show you how to do. I show you how to change and grow and develop inside the milieu, inside the mess of life. And that, I think, is the way to grow a child. My name's Lynette Louise. I'm your story teacher host, otherwise known as the Brain Brand. You've been listening to a new spin on autism. Answers. Thank you for being here. 
because without you, I would just be talking to myself. Today's question, what the heck is myofunctional therapy? Today's answer, it might be how you get your child to chew his food and swallow. And if your child is one of those kids that leaves it in their cheek for a day, you might need this. So I would check it out. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining the show today. Lynette is the author of the refreshingly honest and at times hilarious new book, Miracles Are Made, A Real-Life Guide to Autism. You can purchase this and other materials by looking on the webtalkradio.net website and clicking on the covers. You can also click through to her Facebook page and check out any show you may have missed by looking in the archives. We'll see you soon for another edition of a new spin on autism. Answers. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. I can't hear you.